listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsease Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. glad that life is happening in your church. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight that you're so awesome. You're so incredible and we just love you. God, that's all we can say. We absolutely love and adore you. God, we just think you're absolutely awesome. And God, we pray right now for those people that we're inviting and those that we're going after for Easter, that you would just move on hearts and lives. And God, we pray that God, anyone and everyone who comes through this door, we know one thing, they're going to hear the gospel. But God, here's what we pray, that they would respond to that. That God, you would transform, that you would renew their lives. And God, we just really believe that and we cry out for that. And God, we just pray that you would be with us tonight. Open up our hearts to receive your word. Speak to our lives. Change our lives. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So tonight is the last of our present series. Even though we're in the 1st of April, we're finishing off the series today. Anyone get some April Fool's jokes played on you today? Anyone get some stuff, man, some crazy stuff? I I went on some websites today, Amazon. Did you ever go on Amazon? They had some crazy stuff on there today for April Fool's Day and just different things. And but, you know, we're finishing off this course and, and looking forward to it. I've got to say this, and I know I said I was going to get into my message. So excited about next month's message, too. I like giving because I believe it's so important that God wants us to live with a generous spirit. God wants to open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that we can't contain. But that's all based upon our willingness to respond to his word and really not willingness, our obedience to his word. And we're going to be talking so much about that throughout the month. And it's just going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal month. But tonight, as we close out the series, I'm I'm titling my message tonight, Reverse the Curse. And it's kind of tongue in cheek when we say that, because it's not a curse as we discovered on Sunday. It's the choices that we make. But we're just using that as a title tonight. Um, Because on Sundays, we exposed the lie of the generational curse. I'm going to say that again, the lie of the generational curse. I believe it's such a lie that we have adopted, that we have accepted, and it's almost become an excuse clause of Christianity. Let me say that one more time. It's become an excuse clause of Christianity that we turn around and says, well, it's not my fault. Well, why is it not my fault? Well, because my dad was an alcoholic and his dad, so therefore it's not my fault. We look and we justify our actions or lack of it because it's not our fault. I can't help it is another thing that we will say. And the list goes on and on and on. And I just really believe that on Sunday we expose the fact of the lie that it is. And if you missed Sunday, I cannot stress enough for you to listen to the podcast, grab a CD, be a part of that, because I really believe it's going to help you in your life. It's going to help you break free and help you realize it's my choices. 
It's for me to make the choice. And we talked about how a curse, if you would look at it in the dictionary, the suggestion of a curse is this, that you are now controlled by something else that you are powerless over. That you have no power, you have no control, because something, a curse has been pronounced or passed onto your life. And therefore, anything now that you do in your life, you are powerless against, because that thing controls your life, and that thing determines the future or the course of your life. And again, that may sound really extreme, because it may just be small right now, but anything small grows. Puppies are cute, but they grow. Everything small grows. And you may say, well, I'm not there yet, but you will be if you keep holding on to that lie. You're going to find yourself right there. And I hate to tell you this. Look at your neighbor and say, you're no exception to the rule. Come on now. No exception to the rule. Because you cannot fight against God's truth. No matter what you think, no matter what you say, no matter your opinion, no matter your doctrinal beliefs, no matter how long you've been saved or whatever, hey, the truth is still the truth. And it doesn't need your support or help. It just needs your obedience. And it just needs you to open up your life. So what a lie. What a lie it is, I believe, that someone would be able to put something upon my life as a child of God that would make me powerless against it. What a lie. What a lie. And I'm not going to accept that because the decisions that I'm going to make for my life are going to be decisions I'm going to make for my life and decisions that I'm going to make based on my relationship with God for my life. My parents aren't going to make my decisions. My grandparents aren't going to make my decisions. And now what? I have to follow on as a result of their wrong choices? No, 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 no. Galatians 3. We went to a few scriptures, but let's recap. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 says this. Christ has redeemed us. He has bought us back. He has paid the price for us, purchased with his blood. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having what? Becoming, uh, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. I just want to clear something up. We, we kind of skipped over this Sunday, but on Wednesdays we can just kind of go into a little bit more depth and detail. I just want to clear something up, for, and that is that passage where it says, He became a curse for us. He having become a curse for us. Listen, that means he paid the penalty of sin on our behalf, but it doesn't mean he became sin. Come on now. He didn't become the sin, but he fulfilled what the Mosaic law demanded needed to be done. Remember the story of the lady who was caught in the act of adultery. It wasn't hearsay. She was caught in the act of adultery. She was thrown at the feet of Jesus. She was probably virtually naked when she was thrown at his feet. There was no dispute in the fact of what had happened. It had been witnessed by those. Always amazing to me that the lady was thrown at his feet, but where was the man? Probably one of the religious leaders, probably one of the leaders of those communities that they were covering up. But she was the one that was going to be made the skeptical or the scapegoat. She was the one that was going to take the thing. But what did Jesus do? Jesus let her go free. And they said, but how can you do this? Why was Jesus able to let her go free? Because the penalty of the crime that she committed was death by stoning. And we're not talking about recreationally. Come on now. We're talking about rocks being thrown and killed and destroyed, a horrific death. 
But you know why Jesus was able to let her go free? Because he was on the way to Calvary and he paid the price for her. He became that substitute. Come on, he paid the price and took the penalty of her sins. Jesus, for not one second, was displeasing to God. Okay? He was not for one second. His character and work here on this earth at no time was tainted by sin. Think about that. The Bible says he had to be and was the spotless lamb. Could you imagine being a brother of Jesus? Can you imagine being around Jesus that any time mom wanted to know what went down, she didn't even bother asking all the other brothers because she would get every witch story and everything and she would just ask Jesus, Jesus, what happened? Well, mom, he didn't tell a lie. He was truthful. Imagine having a brother or sister like that, man. That would be tough, huh? Tough if your parents knew the truth all the time. I mean, come on. But he was no way tainted by sin. Jesus had done nothing wrong. But listen, but only did that which our sin demanded to be our spotless sacrifice. If Jesus would have been sin, he couldn't have paid the ultimate price for us. Because then he wouldn't have been spotless. And a lot of people teach and believe that Jesus died as a sinner. That he died and he went to hell as a sinner who had to be redeemed. That's a lie. The only reason he went to hell was to take back his keys. Come on now. Satan don't even have the keys to his own house. Amen. Jesus went down there. He did not die a sinner. He became our substitute and he took our place. That we can live free. He is our substitute. So remember that. When he became the curse, he wasn't the curse. He became that for us. In our lives. Verse 14. That the blessing. Oh man, come on, you got to shout right now. He becomes the curse to remove the curse of that which the enemy tries to put on our life. So what? The blessings of God. I want to talk, and that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. The blessings of God. That's a lot better than curses. Amen. The blessings of God, of, of blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. Notice that there again. In the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. The promise was given to Abraham as a child of Israel, the children of Israel. But notice through Jesus, it wasn't just the children of Israel. Now it's for mankind, to the Gentiles, to everyone. So the blessing, Jesus became the savior, not just for the Jewish nation, but he became the savior for the world for the Gentiles, for every person, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Therefore, through his death on the cross, Christ did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Isn't that cool? He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. His work, not ours, removed the curse upon us because of our disobedience to the Lord. Make all the excuses you want, but I'm telling you right now, it's not a curse, but it's your choice. It is your choice. And again, listen to Sunday's message. You need to hear that. But tonight I want to talk about, as I said, reverse the course, the reverse the curse. And I know you're saying, well, I thought you said it's not a curse, it's a choice. It is. But it's a curse that Satan still wants to put upon our lives. He still wants us to make us think 
that we are powerless. He still makes us to want to think that we'll never be free and that we'll never have that. But again, we're going to look straight from God's word and we're going to discover the truth of blessing that God wants to give to our lives. So I'm going to give you seven points tonight. Come on, you need a notepad. You need to get your iPhones out, your tablets. You need to be taking notes in church. But if you're taking notes on your iPhone or your phone, put it on airplane mode so no one can text you and call you while you're busy studying and learning from what God is going to say in your life. So seven points of blessing for not only your life, but for your descendants. Because remember what a curse, the thought of a generational curse is, that it affects your children's children, it goes down the line. Well, we're talking tonight about the blessings of God that want to go down the line. Come on, that's true, that's scriptural, that God wants to bless us, that blessings. I am living today in the blessings of my grandfather, I really believe that. Because he made a dedication and a commitment. And when everyone else was going one way, he says, no more. I'm living today in the blessings of my parents and the sacrifices and the, and the rewards of what they've given to God. And I want to be building now for my children and my children's children. And I want them to be reaping the rewards. Anyone want your children to reap good rewards? Want the best? Well, it starts right now in our lives. doesn't matter what's going on before. doesn't matter that our parents weren't saved. doesn't matter what, what, what. We're saved, and that's all that matters. From now on, we're changing things, and we're bringing about and seeing a blessing. So seven things that's going to produce a blessing, going straight from God's Word, from Proverbs 29, verse 17 through 22. We're going to take it verse through verse, Proverbs 17 through 22. And I've got to just say this, Proverbs, you know how many Proverbs there are? 31. How many days are there in an average month? 30, 31. Proverb a day keeps the devil away. Come on now, there you go. A proverb a day. I read a proverb every day. Just always have done that. It's just something. I read a psalm and a proverb every day. When I get to Psalms 119, I've got to break that out over a couple of days. But I read that as long as other things. So Proverbs 29, 17 through 22. So we're going to start at verse 17. It says this, correct your son or your child and they will give you rest. Yes, they will give delight to your soul. One translation says, discipline your children and they will give you happiness and peace of mind. Now, that's a sharp contrast to our scripture that we read on Sunday when we began our message, Proverbs 20.20. We talked about whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put into deep darkness. What do we see? A darkness that comes. What do we see now? We see that when we discipline, when we correct, there's a joy, there's a blessing, there's a happiness and a peace of mind that comes. So here's point number one. Are you ready? Discipline. Discipline. What a blessing that is, not only for our lives, but for our families. To have a disciplined life, a disciplined home, a disciplined way of living. And there is a great lack of discipline and structure and order today. How many knows that with your kids sometimes that you've got to love your kids enough sometimes to take matters into your own hands? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Come on. You've got to love them enough to take matters into your own hands. Proverbs talks about this. In the book of Proverbs, it says this, a man who does not discipline his child hates his child. That's strong words. But literally, you are hating your child. But what do we think? In our way of thinking, we think we're loving them because we're not correcting them. 
The Bible says the opposite. You're hating them. You're destroying them. So we're going to discover later with another verse. And proper discipline has never done anything except help. Proper discipline has never accomplished anything except help, change, better, make right a situation. How many would agree that discipline, therefore, is a good thing? It's a God thing. Whether you think it's good or not, it's a God thing, and that should automatically make it good for you. But the problem is this, that too often it's not proper discipline. It's wrong discipline. Discipline is never just beating your kids senseless. Beating discipline is not setting unrealistic goals. Come on. You've lost your cell phone till you're 99. I mean, that's foolishness because you know you're going to give it back to him three days later. How much better to say you've lost it for a day and if you don't straighten up, then we'll have to another day and another day. How about we set unrealistic things with discipline so therefore our discipline doesn't really mean anything because our kids don't respect it because we don't follow through with it. So we've got to be very careful with that. Listen, discipline is not a divided front. That's not proper discipline. What I mean by that is your kids will turn husband against wife. They'll turn mum against dad. Come on now, they'll, they'll cause problems because they'll go to one and they'll go to the other. Come on, proper discipline is being united in what you do and supporting each other. Whether you disagree at the time with what's been done. And Kelly and I have had some of these conversations where we've sat down later and she says, you know what, what you did and I've said and what you've done, I didn't really agree with, but we didn't undermine each other's authority in front of the kids. We were a what? United front until the door was closed and then we sat down and talked about it. We didn't fight about it, we just discussed it and talked. You see, proper discipline is being united in what you do. If you have one parent say, this is acceptable and this, guess what? Your home is going to be in disarray and it's not going to help your children, it's going to destroy your children. And I will say this, what we tend to try to do to keep the peace is we try to compromise. Listen, you've got to watch that you don't compromise with discipline. You've got to be very careful. Always take the highest road, the highest standard, and start from there. Don't compromise somewhere in the middle because you're going to affect your children in the long run. Is this okay today? And you've got to realize this. Are you ready? Discipline is for the home, not just for the kids. It's for the parents too. You need to be disciplined. You need to maybe go to timeout sometimes and just square yourself up. But discipline is for us too. We need to be disciplined in our lives because proper life, an example is not this, not just do what I say. It has to be do what I do. That I live a disciplined, example life. So I'm not trying to make my children something that I am not myself. You know, the Bible says whom the Lord loves He chastises. He disciplines. He corrects. So what is it? Discipline is an act of love. It's an act of love. Come on. It's an act of love. Why Why do we discipline our children? We say this to our children. And normally the time we say it is probably not the most receptive time when we're spanking them and we're disciplining. We say, I'm just doing this because I love you. They don't understand that right then. Come on. They don't understand that. They're they're not thinking, wow, great, I feel so loved at this time. Come on now. Come on, let's just be honest now. We're in the house of God. They're not feeling the love right there. Come on. They're not feeling that love. They're they're not part of that. 
But yet that's why we do them, because what are we trying to do? We're trying to spare them from future harm. We know the pitfalls. We know the directions. We know wrong relationships. We know where it can take them and what it can do. We're trying to spare them from the problems and the heartaches that perhaps we've gone through in our lives. So we discipline them and correct them sometimes to the thought of, you're just trying to ruin my life. I'm so glad that my parents ruined my life. I'm so glad. Come on, I'm honest now. I'm so glad that they ruined what I thought was living in life. Because now I have the greatest life and the blessed life. And they are now my best friends. Let me tell you something. If they would have let me do whatever I would have done when I was a child, they would not be my friends. And they definitely wouldn't be on staff with us in a church. Because I wouldn't be pastoring today. And I wouldn't be leading God's people. But now they're my best friends. Why? Because they knew how to be a parent before a friend. We've got too many parents trying to be their kid's friend. You ain't your kid's friend. Come on, you're their parent first, then their friend. I'm not saying that you've got to be mean. But hey, what's up with your mum and dad? I'm your mum and dad. That's what's up with me. Come on now. Isn't that the truth? We're not on the same level field. You can't talk to me like a piece of trash. Can't talk to me and disrespect me. That ain't going to fly in here. You're not going to talk to your mum like that, son, uh, because if you are, then you can talk to me and we'll just go outside and just see what happens. Come on, think about that. I mean, you don't handle that. Discipline has to be an act of love. And you know what else discipline does? It brings security. It brings security. Kids will feel secure because they're corrected. They don't admit that, but it's the truth. There's a security. There's a connection come. And I will say this, watch who's running the home. Watch who's running the home. Because of the lack of discipline, many homes are run by their children. Parents are at the mercy of their children. You've got to get the right order right, because if the order's not right from the top, nothing else that follows will be right. God has to be first. He's the head of the home. Then it's the husband. Then it's the wife. Then it's the children. That's the order that it needs to be. The Bible tells us what if you spare the rod. I know a lot of people don't like to spank their children. I know a lot of people say you don't do that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, it never did me any harm, but did me good. And I thank my parents now for giving me a whooping. Man, I thank God for that wooden spoon. Mum used to use the wooden spoon. And um, she, would have, she just wanted to get my attention. She just went and rattled the drawer. Come on now. She just rattled the cutlery drawer. And then we had this bar area. And I know I've told you the story. We had this breakfast bar area with an island. And it was kind of long. It was from me to Joanne. It was about that long. It was long. And what would happen in the end is mum and I would have a standoff. She'd be one end and I'd be the other. And we'd be going around that thing. And we'd be going. And I was a lot faster than her. And I, I was I a was little whippersnipper. But then mum just learned the lesson. She just put the wooden spoon down on the counter. She says, just wait till your dad gets home. I'm like, no, 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 please, please. Dad didn't need no wooden spoon, amen? Dad just used his hand. But you know what? Spare the rod and we spoil the child. Oh, you can't discipline your children. People are now being put in prison. People have been charged through publicly disciplining their kids. And then they wonder why suicide. They wonder why teenage pregnancy. They wonder why drug abuse. They wonder why all these things are happening. I'm telling you why. Because it's a lack of discipline in the home. And it's first starting with a lack in the parents' discipline and the way they're living their lives. And therefore, they're trying to make their kids do something they're not doing themselves. It's got to start from the top. 
and it's got to work it down. You know, I'm not opposed to people being put in time out, but come on, get real. Sometimes sitting up the corner for five minutes is not a justification for what needs to be taking place. Some people need to feel the pain for their actions, amen? Here's something I will say, though, about discipline. Don't ever discipline your children when you're out of control. If you've got a short fuse, if you lose it, don't discipline your children in that state because then it's going to be borderline abuse because you're going to say things and do things. You need to, if you need to, you need to put them in their other room. You need to calm down so you can go in and you can handle the situation in a godly, right way. But I will also say this, there's the other flip side, that sometimes we can wait too long to discipline, that then we've both forgot what we're disciplining about. Have you ever been in the car with your kids and say, son, just wait till you get home? We had a situation like that in our car this weekend. Just wait till you get home, son. I wished I'd pulled over right then and gone in the back and handled business right then because by the time you get home, you're laughing and having a good time and then you have to go in the room, take the belt off and whip it and you're like, what just happened? And then you feel bad because you're like, why did I do that again? So discipline promptly, but yet not when you're out of control. Control yourself. Is that okay? So number two, Proverbs 29, verse 18. Where there is no revelation, say with me, vision. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. One translation says this, where there is... Where people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. Where there is no vision. Here's number two that's going to bless your family, it's going to bless your home, it's going to bless your life, and that is this, speak vision. Speak vision. You can label it this way, speak life. Speak vision to your children, speak vision upon your children, speak vision into their lives, speak vision upon their lives. Because remember this, here's a good tweeting thing that you can tweet out. Every word contains a seed. Every word you say contains a seed. Have you checked your garden lately? Have you checked your garden lately? What's growing in your garden? Because every word you speak is a seed. Now I will say this, that we're not saying that you lie and you fabricate things because you should always speak the truth. But yet you've got to watch what you say. I remember not long ago, well, I say not long ago. It's um, probably 12 years ago. It doesn't seem long ago now. 12 years ago, speaking for an eighth grade graduation at a small Christian school. Um, they had on the platform six kids who were graduating from this school. That was an eighth grade class. So they were graduating to go into high school. They had every one of those kids sitting on chairs that looked like thrones, big chairs. And this, um, the... Um, what they call the person? The principal. And we call him the headmaster or the headmistress. The headmistress of the school, the principal of the school, turned around and prophesied over every one of those kids that they were all going to be millionaires. You're going to be a millionaire. You're going to be a millionaire. That's not speaking vision. That's not speaking vision. Now, I'm not disputing. I pray that they all turned out to be millionaires, but statistics are going to tell us that they're not going to be. And we've got to be really careful that in speaking vision that we're not speaking damnation upon our lives because now for the rest of their lives, that's setting a real high standard that if they don't achieve that, guess who gets the blame for that? God. They're going to be mad at God for that. So I believe in speaking vision, 
but I also believe in being realistic in how we speak the truth. We speak life over our children, but we don't set them up for failure in what we do. We speak life. There's so much negativity in our talk today. And not only in our talk, but also in our type. Come on, in our typing, which is still talking. You know why typing is still talking? Can I tell you why? Because you're still being heard by someone else. Huh? Someone else is still hearing your words. Even though they may be reading them, they're still hearing your words. So you've got to be careful. What's the old saying out there if you don't have anything good to say? Just don't say anything at all. God created the world with what? His words. We create the world we live in with the world words that we speak. We can either bless and bring creation or we can bring disaster and curse those. The Bible says this. Do you know the Bible says we're even going to give an account one day for our idle words? Just those neutral words, just those words that really don't mean anything. We're going to give an account for those. And I will also say this when it comes to your words, watch your language too. Come on now, you've gone quiet on me. Watch your language because God has called us to a higher standard. And there's some words and there's some vocabulary and some things that have no business coming out of our mouths. That was part of the old man. Come on, that was part of the old flesh. Come on, we're now a new creation in Christ Jesus and we need to watch the words we say and how we're saying it. Oh, but I've always said that. Well, maybe it's time to change what you've always done. Because for someone who's just going to keep living the same way, you're just going to get the same results for your life. So start, speak. So speak life. Look for the things to speak into your children. Like Luke had a rough day at school today and he was just telling me, that's the first time I had a chance to talk to him just during praise and worship. And he had a rough day. You know what I said to him? Son, tomorrow's a new day. Tomorrow's a new day. Isn't that not speaking life? He's already been disciplined. His mum's already taken care of that and he's already been punished. It's okay, but you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. Life, am I lying? Am I building him up for failure? No, I'm giving him vision. I'm giving him hope for his life. I'm just speaking life into him. So watch your words. Speak blessings into your life. Come on, I've got to move on. Okay, back to verse 18, the last part. It says this, Where there is no vision or revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who what? Keeps the law. What is the law? It's another word for saying the word of God, that the law is your word, have I meditated, the law of God. So here's number three, you ready? Teach them the word of God. But in order to teach someone the word of God, you've got to know the word of God. So you need to know the word of God. If you have no children, that's fine. This message is for you too, because if you want to be blessed, learn the word of God. Be in the word of God. And learning the Word of God and teaching them the Word of God is by example, not just reading also. Man's opinion won't help us in any way. But yet we look for man's opinions and we think, well, this is what I think and this is what I... Only God's instruction is going to change someone's life. It's not what I want, it's not what I think, but what He says I want and what He says I think. Come on. I need to know God's Word. And how to apply it to my life. If you've been coming here for even a couple of weeks or even maybe one week, you know that we believe in teaching people the word of God here. We don't believe in teaching fluff and stuff and giving man's opinions. We'll talk about some stuff, but we'll always back it up 
with the Word of God. Why is that such a priority for us? Because we want to show you that you can know the Word of God so you can live in the truth, that you don't always have to say, what will pastor say? Come on, it's not about what pastor says. My pastor speaks what God says. And I can look and know God's Word for myself and I can have a trust and a confidence. We're not building people who are dependent upon us. We're building people who are dependent upon Christ. And want to build their lives upon his word and strengthen word. Teach them the word of God. I remember the story in California um, many years ago. They were having earthquakes. And, and, and this neighborhood was completely blitzed by an earthquake. And the child had got home from school on the bus. The parent was usually always there when the child got off the bus. But because of the earthquake, because of the disaster, the roads were blocked, everything. The parent was so far away, frantic because they heard that the epicenter and everything that had happened, that their area, their neighborhood was almost completely wiped out. When they finally got there, after hours and hours, actually about their car and ran and walked, ran as quick as they could, got there. When they looked and turned the corner, there was only one little room of their house that was left standing. Frantic, their child in that house. What was they going to do? Running to that house, screaming, thinking all hope was lost. A little utility room on the side of the house, only room standing. And when they were looking and climbing over the rubble, they could hear their child crying and screaming. And when they opened the door, they discovered this. Here was their little boy standing on his Bible in the middle of that house, everything else destroyed. And he told his mom, you told me that if ever I was in trouble, I could always stand on the word of God. Come on now. True story. I can stand on the word of God. Isn't that the truth for our children? With the storms and the trials, no matter what the devastation is happening all around them, it shall not come nigh our dwelling place. Only with our eyes shall we see the reward. Why? Because he who dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my rock, he is my fortress, he is my God in whom. I would trust. Teach them the word of God to build their lives upon it, to stand upon it. What did the psalmist say? Your word have I hid in my heart. Doesn't mean that I've put it so far and I can't find it. Have you ever hidden something and you don't know where you've hid it? Have you ever found Christmas presents for your kids that you hid away? And you find found some yesterday. Come on. Come on. Is it my size? Is it going to look good? Is it going to fit? You know, you hide stuff so far away. That's not what it talks about, hiding away. It just means that you're putting it so safely inside of you that you're not going to let anything steal it away from you. Put the Word of God in a strategically placed inside of your life. So what? Why have I hid the Word of God in my heart? Because I don't want to sin against you. I don't want to sin against you. It's the truth you know, the Bible says, that's going to set you free. So if you know the Word, you can know your freedom. But you can't know it if you don't read it and you won't know it if you're not showing up for church. You need to be in church. You need to be in the word so you can hear. The Hebrew speaks about faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Builds our faith. Teach them the word of God. Is this okay? I've got to move on. I've got 12 minutes. You ready? Verse 19. A servant will not be corrected by mere words. For though he understands, he will not Respond. It has to be more than words. His words have to be backed up by action. So number four, if you want blessing in your life, you've got to live by example. You've got to lead by example. Lead your homes, lead your life 
by example. In other words, your life needs to be a demonstration of the Word of God. You need to live out. You need to witness. It needs to be seen in your life. You've got to get rid of the hypocrite. Come on, you've got to put that man down daily. You've got to put that person down because that hypocrite wants to rise in every one of us. Come on, that old flesh man wants to rise in every one of us. Oh, no one's going to see me doing that. No one's going to know. Come on, that wants to come in us all the time. We've got to lead our lives by example. How do we do that? By godly character. We've got to have godly character. Character is what you are when no one else is looking. Character is who you are in the dark. And think about that. When no one else is there, and it's just you and God. Who is that person? You've got to allow God constantly to challenge and change your character. Come on, allow God each and every day. Challenge, change. What needs to happen inside of me? Because I want to be the same person I am here, there, every which where. You know, I once heard someone say this statement. And at first I thought, wow, they're so holy. They said these words, I never go to the movies. We don't believe in going to the movies. And they made it as a statement like they're so holy because they don't go to those kind of places. And at first I was like, well, good for them. But then I realized the truth. They didn't have to go to the movies because they rented every movie into their house. Huh? They rented it all to their house. And I thought to myself, here they were pointing the finger at everyone else who was going to the movies and watching the wrong thing, but they were doing something even worse. They weren't just going to the movies, they were bringing the movies into their home. And they were watching them, but because no one else knew it was okay, because it was just a secret thing. Listen, God knows all things. You've got to lead your life by example. Because you may think I'm pulling the wool over someone else's eyes, but God says this, don't be deceived, because you're robbing yourself. You're deceiving yourself. You are robbing your own life. It doesn't matter what Pete thinks about me. I'm robbing my own life. It doesn't matter how I'm trying to impress everyone else. I'm the one that's ultimately going to suffer through all of that. So come on, wherever, with whoever, whenever, we've got to be consistently constant in everything we do. We've got to be the example because others are watching our life. Others are following our lead. Come on, we've got to exemplify Christianity. I think that would be a good slogan to put somewhere on your mirror, in your car. Today, I'm going to exemplify Christianity. Wouldn't it change our life if every one of us every day exemplified Christianity? Come on, what does that mean? That we lived out and we represented Christianity in the truest form. If you and I represented Christ as he surely should be in our lives, this church and churches wouldn't be able to contain all the people who would be flooding through the doors because everyone would be saying, I need that Jesus because I need that peace. I need that comfort. I need that strength. If we were to live a completely godly, character-filled life, come on, people would be falling at our feet saying, what can I do to be saved? Isn't that the truth? Come on, don't look at me strange. Is that not the truth? So we need to lead by example and lead the testament. Verse 20, do you see a man hasty in his own words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. One translation says there is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. Chinese proverb says engage brain before opening mouth. Here's a fifth thing that we need to do. We need to learn how to speak. But for our families, we need to teach them how to speak. We need to teach them. We need to know when to speak and when not to speak. Isn't that a great thing to do? 
Sometimes there's time to say things and then there's other times just to shut up. Look at your neighbor and just say, shut up. I know you've wanted to tell them that, so I'm just giving them an excuse. I think it's important that we teach our children how to choose their words, but not to use choice words. Come on now. Teach our children how to choose their words, but we don't use choice words. And that we make the right decisions in our life. We've got to define from God's word what is acceptable and what is unacceptable. Well, they made me mad. Well, they made me mad. It's their fault. No, you just, explode, you just exposed a character defect in your life. You need to go back to number four and let God work on your character some more to lead by example. No one made you do anything. People can suggest and they can push the buttons, but you're ultimately the one that responds in how you do that. We've got to teach them how to speak. We've got to learn how to speak. We're the ones that pulls the trigger. They may load the gun, but we pull the trigger. So we've got to be very careful. We've got to teach our children to respect people with their words. How we address people, ma'am, sir, please, thank you, manners, all these things. is very, very important. Teach your children when they talk to people to look them in the face when they talk. There's nothing worse than someone who you're trying to talk to and they're looking every way apart from. My uncle used to tell me all the time, when you go into an interview, son, he said, you stare that person right in the eyes. And the person who looks away first is the person who now is under the other person. So you make sure, he says, you stare them down and they look away. Then you've got the upper hand. You know, in psychology, that's what they say. You then have the upper hand if you stare them down. They say that if a dog runs at you, the worst thing you can do is almost turn away or you stare them down. With things like that. Why? Because that's important. You've got to look at people. You teach people. Come on, this is practical teaching tonight. Is this okay? But it's things that can help blessing in your life. Learn how to speak, what's acceptable, what's not, just for those times. Verse 21. He who pampers his servant from childhood will have him as a son in the end. When we read that, we think, well, that's kind of cool. He was a servant, now he's a son. No, you understand the context it's in. It's not good. Because one translation says, a servant who is pampered from childhood will later become a rebel. Because he's a servant. But if you treat him in a wrong way and you cuddle him and cuddle him, then he'll act like a son, meaning what? He won't work. He won't do. He won't be what he's supposed to do. And you've created a rebel out of that person. So you ready? Number six, don't spoil them. Don't spoil them. If you're not married, don't live spoiled. If you don't have kids, don't live spoiled. Watch your life. Think about that word, that word spoil. If you read in the dictionary that word spoil or spoil, it means to damage or injure, to make it unfit or useless, to destroy. Wow, in spoiling my children, I'm making them unfit and useless. And if we don't watch, we can do exactly that. Don't build your children. Don't raise your children just to expect it. Come on now. Well, you're just going to get it to me because you're my mom and dad. And you have to get it for me. I know how I was brought up. I I was brought up in a great home. I was brought up by wonderful parents. Uh, My mom and dad were farmers, hard workers. We had a good income. We had a good life. We had everything we wanted. We had nice vacations. We had... We never had to want for anything, and I thank God for that. But you know, in everything that we did have, my mom and dad never spoiled us because they always taught us the value of everything that we were given. 
that everything was valued. And as a result, hopefully, I like to say this now, at the time we probably didn't, but we grew to respect those things and understand the value of those things. And therefore, those things didn't become a burden or a problem for us. They became a blessing, a teaching for every one of us. You've got to watch that you don't spoil your children. And I want to tell you this, gifts are no substitute for love and time with your children. Don't buy off your kids. You need to give them that time, but don't spoil them by just giving them everything and not giving them you. The best gift that you can give your kids is you, is your time, is your energy. Because guess what? Your children will be the product of your environment, and they're going to be the mirror of you. So you've got to make sure that you don't spoil them. Teach them respect and all those things. And last but not least, verse 22, an angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgressions. An angry man stirs up strife. A furious man abounds in transgressions. Number seven, have a peaceful heart. Anger doesn't do anything. Strife doesn't do anything. Being furious doesn't do the right things for your life. It just causes strife, problems, unrest. Have a peaceful heart. Teach your children how to control themselves. Teach them values. Teach them manners. Teach them to have a heart after God, to live after God and to serve God. You see, here's the problem. Are you ready? The problem in the church has been for too long that we've done everything we can to make the excuse about the curse, to identify the problems. Oh, it's not really my fault because it's a curse. We've been living that way for so long that we forgot to live according to the blessings. Come on. We've been living according to the curse and how we can overcome and how we can, instead of the blessings. Isn't that Satan's way to rob us from the truth of God's life? Come on. He became the curse for us so the blessings of Abraham could be upon each and every one of us. How much better will it be and will it be for us to be preparing and building upon our lives on the right practical choices for our life. Come on, see blessing, not a curse. Come on, what is a curse? Failing to do what's right. Things that are in your control that you don't do. So again, it's not a curse, it's a choice that you are making. Come on, make the right choices. Make the right choices for your life. Reverse the curse. So you can live in the blessings of God, in the fullness of God for your life. Amen. Stand to your feet with us tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight that your word is truth. We thank you that your word is life. And God, we just pray that you would speak into our lives right now. God, I thank you, God, that we can identify the truth from your word. And God, we just pray for blessings. God, we pray like Jabez that you would bless us indeed. That God, your blessing, your hand, your spirit would truly be upon us and our families in God such a great, great, awesome way. God, we just want the best for our lives. We want the best for our children. But God, we realize tonight we can't live like hell and expect the blessings of heaven. It doesn't happen that way. God, we've got to make some changes in our life. The practical, maybe in the way we talk, maybe in the actions, our lives, just in these things. God, we've got to make some changes. We've got to do these things. Why? Because we're bringing about the blessings upon our children and their homes and their futures. And we speak that right now, absolute blessing in the name of Jesus.
like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master.